0: but this actually legitimately is significant. When you guys first described it to me, I just assumed that it was a just a better Google and it's really much more than that. Like, it's very general and also it can maintain context. That's one of the things I find so interesting about it. Fun. Welcome back, guys. How you guys feeling?
1: I'm feeling good, man. I'm liking the new setup you got too. It's like real bright over there. Yeah. Mike is Mike got you sounding yeah. real clear.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Actually, I just actually got a new place. I'm saying that I used to live right by the boardwalk in Venice, but it's a little too chaotic now. It's a little too chaotic now. So What's I chaotic mean? Here's the thing. For me. There's so many things happening. So that's actually the reason why I love Venice at first. Because Venice is a very, it's a very creative place. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of art. There's a lot of expression. People are like, they see a lot of hippie type stuff, spiritual stuff. And so I love Venice for that. And there'll be like, like on the weekends, like you can hear tons of party and stuff like that. But that's not the mode I'm in right now. (laughs) That's not the mode I'm in in life right now. I had to, and also too, also some of the bad parts, obviously, in California, we know homelessness is bad, and it's really bad by the beach. And there's also a lot of construction going on over there. But so it's just a lot of stuff always going on in, in in Venice, where I was living. Now I'm in like a more private residence, and it feels good.
1: I'm not even going to lie. this California. I don't know if yeah. like LA specifically, but just like, just being in California. Like, I'm in Houston, so it's a whole different yeah. It's just a whole different energy. And is yeah, I guess it's good for where I'm at and where I'm headed, but I do believe like the environment that you're building with it, like the environment that you build within makes has a huge like a huge yes. impact on, on, on the outcome. Like obviously for you sure. can like build anywhere, but like you know how it was like when we first moved to the Bay Area or oh, when we first man. moved to LA man. in general. Like we man. all live have lived there. Like, yeah. It's a different energy. Way um, different. That you Way that different. you get. Especially when you're from like the we're from like the Midwest, it's much, much slower. slower. So you know i'm living in the south right now is definitely yeah. much slower so yes yeah, yeah, way slower
0: the energy i i wonder when you go from a fast city like la or new york do you like uh feel like you like your patience get te- gets tested and when you go back to detroit or like houston because i feel like now that i move faster i have to learn more patience than I did before because when I was born and raised in Michigan. So I didn't know I was moving at a different pace than anybody else was moving. I thought everybody was moving at the pace that we were moving. Yeah. So I, I like, like, how do you see that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. I even noticed it like, with like traffic, like yeah. whenever I like drive, like whenever I was like, when I was living in LA and I would visit Detroit, I would immediately notice as soon as I left the airport in my rental car or if somebody picked me up, like traffic was just different. It was just totally different. LA, you're sitting in traffic. There's so much, so many people yeah. out there. Like it's, it's not as, it's not as nearly as much. Yeah, you to just, exactly. You just hop up yeah. and go. People don't have yeah. much of a sense of urgency, especially around this yeah. time of year when it's snow, like you can be in from there on oh. snow. Like yeah, it shuts nah. the whole city
0: down. Nobody, yeah. sh- nobody
1: going outside. Everything. I'm trying is to stay inside
0: as much as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just a totally different, it's a totally different speed, but yeah. I don't know. I guess. Now that I just recently got married and like, yeah. I'm in like that
0: family mode. Stable. Stability is important. Stability's yeah. Important. It, it's,
1: it's nice to have it. But some part of me is I still got that animal in me where I'm just like, I just want yeah. like to be, be outside
0: running around. Yeah, man. Man. yeah. I feel that too. I struggle with that too. Cause I'm like, <laughs> yo, like the fast paced cities and stuff. I still, they still have that appeal. But at the same time, I am thinking more from a stability standpoint. As we, you know, we're in our later 20s, but,
1: so yeah. I actually, we're so gonna... I want to bring up, I want to bring up the chat GPT thing. Because the last recording we did, we spent a lot of time talking about it. And me and Brian was hyping it up. I was telling you about all its capabilities, <laughs> all it could do, how it was going to potentially disrupt Google. Yeah. We said a lot of controversial things that people probably don't sure. do hear.
2: Yeah, we were so saying some in, wild stuff, man. It was wild. Yeah. It was
1: wild. And at the time, like, it felt like you understood, but you was like, I get it, I get it. But you yeah. hadn't actually, like. Experienced the product.
0: Well, I, I fully, was it cap? I, or I not? Put, It was not cap. Here's the thing, and I'm just going to say it, it was like, it was definitely facts. It was definitely facts. It's hard to tell these days because everybody wants to be the next hot new technology, but this actually legitimately is significant. When you guys first subscribed to me, I just assumed that it was a, just a better Google. And it's really much more than that. Like it's very general and also it can maintain context. That's one of the things I find so interesting about it. It's a very conversational style um, uh, tool and there's many more things, but yeah, there's many more things, I'm not gonna lie. What are you mainly using it for? Everything. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> everything <laughs> literally literally everything like my personal life like for example i've used it for even like self-reflection like just asking it about myself or telling it stories or feeding it articles that are that were published about me or other people that i'm interested in and just learning different perspectives and it's as we know it's not 100 perfect but it has a lot of context and it has a lot of access to information and so What I have done is I've set up a note, or actually not one note, every note that's in all caps is an AI note. And basically what I do is usually I will ask it, for example, I've used it for business as well. And I might ask you something like simple, kind of like if I talked about on the last podcast, I believe if we start off, if our company starts off with 10 users and every week we're going by like 6% by week 12, what would that look like? And then, all, then I see that and then I go, okay, let's change it up a little bit. Let's say we start with five, five users, we're going at 7%, 7% per week, but also the average user invites three users. How, in 12 weeks, how, what's the estimated range of users? And then it will give you an estimated range based on the idea of what the average user might. And so it can e- it's makes it much easier to see it makes it much so much easier in that case to see, for example, like virality, how something can start small and become very large very quickly, and the compounds effects of that. And I just asked I've done so many things. Like I used to shorten I use it to shorten up stuff. Like I have a tendency to not have short and clear and concise communication. I'm way better than I used to be, but a lot of my ideas I've found difficult to explain and it's helped me improve with that by just seeing what's important to say, what's not important and like focusing. So it's just helped me in so many ways, but it's made my job as a CEO least, and I'm being humble about this two times better, which is a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Do you think it takes away any of the time that you spend Googling? Does it yes, actually yes. remove time for you? Do you think so? Yes. Brian, what, what about you? Does it? Would you actually say over time, like this may take away some of the time you spend
2: on Google? Put, potentially. I actually find myself Googling a little bit more, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, because... Sometimes like I what I did realize is there are times where when I'm trying to get something done and if it's pretty op- open ended I'm still somebody that's not taking what open ai you know what gpt is giving back and assuming it's 100% correct so because of that verification process typically that does lead you back to google to check and see okay are the is are these facts or th- these examples or details are they accurate? Are they truthful? And so for things like that that are pretty still open-ended, because I can get the sources and be able to go through them and check them on myself, I tend to go to Google for that. Where if it's something that is pretty definitive, I have been using open AI to just take care of that. So say for example, if I need a landing page headline to be come up with facts are coming for me. So whatever they do with those facts. And so those are those are tasks where I see myself doing that. Probably once. It's a capable of giving back the sources, so I don't have to now go to Google and verify those things. I'll probably just stick to GPT. But for right now, because that verification is an important part of the process, I'm still using Google, especially a lot more as I use a GPT.
1: Let me ask you this. How do you know that like the source that you even get on Google is correct? For example, you can Google something and a Wikipedia page will come up. And we all know from just, like, our time in school they're like, I don't know, at least for me, like, I have definitely have teachers back in the day that would be like, don't – you can't cite – we couldn't use Wikipedia as a source because it was just hard to, like, fact check that information. However, Wikipedia is ranked pretty high in Google search results for pretty much – anything for the most part. And so mentally people do look at that as like a source of truth, right? Or a, fat, yes. or a, sor- a, a fact of a source, yeah, a source of truth, essentially. However, we know that it is not necessarily always that way. So I'm just curious, like, even though you're relying on Google, like, yeah. How do you, how do you fact check Google when is Google the ultimate fact checker for us? So I guess, how do you think about the, the information that Google gives you? Cause yeah, I question a lot of that information sometimes.
2: Yeah, I'm going to keep it a stack. I think just for me personally, having grew up using Google a lot for like different educational purposes and things of that nature and it not leading me astray most of the time. That's not to mean every answer I got on Google was correct, but I'm saying majority of the time it did not lead me astray. I think there's just this intuitive trust that's been built over time just using a product that still has carried into like my adult life. And uh, we'll be honest with you. I think most of the time, if I'm asking, I feel like most of the questions I ask are pretty simple. Anyway, to so where at the top, sometimes Google will just give you the definitive answer at the top of their of the results. I'm gonna be honest. Like when I saw that, I was like, wow. So they've been doing, they've been doing exactly what Chat GPT is now doing, but just in a different kind of format. We can talk about that later. But yeah, I think it's built, it's compounded trust through using the product. That has led to me still having that strong trust in Google today. And I think it's the same process that's going to be required for GPT to to grow in trust with other folks as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's interesting. Really, this technology, what I like about it, for example, a couple of examples would be, I could just simply say, give it a large essay and say, write a... Four sentence summary of this essay, and I'll look at the words, and it'll look really good. And but this, here's what I do though: I create a note, I create a note, and then I copy that answer in, and then I hit try again and get in, and see what else it comes out with, and then I copy that and put it into an, a, the, the same note. I by separate it, and I hit try again and get whatever says then, and then I put it in that to, into the note. So what I typically do is, I have it give me multiple different interpretations and multiple different answers of the same thing just, just to see. But
2: It sounds like you're training it on the previous answer that it gave you as well. I is that what you're doing? In some,
0: uh, in some cases, and here's what I'm in some cases, but I want to say something real quick. What I also like about this technology is that if it lacks context, it's going to let you know. And sometimes that for me, that's frustrating because I'm like, you don't have to be a- accurate. I'm not looking for accuracy. Actually. I just want some almost like a brainstorming type of situation. But what I like is that it will say without additional, without additional information, I can't do X, Y, and Z. And then I'll say, are there any questions that will help? And it will come up with questions that would give it more context. And then I answer those questions and then now spitting out something that's much more closer to what I was looking for. And I'll do the same process again. I'll have the copy, the answer to, to a note, and then do it three times, and then just have three different interpretations and whatnot. And from that, I, I synthesized that, and I may or may not go to Google, but I found that I haven't been on Google as much. I'm not sure why that is, because Brian, you are different than me in the way that you are using it right now and in that way. As far as like still using Google, like I don't, I have not used Google as much, because the questions that I'm looking for have been very, I guess, maybe more definitive yet, and also open ended. And I just want a general idea for inspiration mm-hmm. and creativity. Yeah.
2: No, that's a very good point. I think it's it really is going to depend on the type of question that you're asking. But while you were talking, it actually brought up a you, you brought up something that I feel like is very important for people to talk to because I think right now in the early phase, most people are just going to be going to simple AI UI and just typing in stuff. And I think right now is a really good time to start to understand the intricate details because the more intimate you can get with this model and understanding how does it work, how does it actually write these sentences, what are the different variations and things of that nature, that's what's going to impact the companies that are going to be built on top of this. And I saw something earlier where it said... Currently, currently there've been 400, a little over 400 companies in the generative AI space that have been funded and $12 billion have been like injected into that market. So capital is starting to flow. And most of those businesses have traditionally been copyrighted businesses, but obviously because GPT can do a multitude of different things, you're going to start to see that space start to skyrocket. And the only way you're going to be able to compete in these spaces is by knowing how to take this base model, which that's what GPT is, and making it very specific for the use case that you have. And are y'all cool with just diving into some of the details real quick?
0: Uh, Yeah, real quick. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So the first thing that I think that, that people need to understand is how the model is working. Like, How is it going about understanding, okay, Rodney asked this question and what should this sentence be? And so based off the research that I've been doing, it's actually taken advantage of this machine learning architecture that Google came up with a few years ago called a transformer. And essentially what a transformer does is it looks at the relationship between various inputs and tries to predict following input. And so what the machine learning model, it's essentially a neural network and it it basically takes the sentence that the person puts in It breaks each word into its own individual token or input into the model. And so that's how they get 175 billion parameters, et cetera, et cetera, because it's taking these sentences and breaking it up into that many different pieces and variables and things of that nature. And then what the calculus is doing is literally using basic probability around like, A, what is the mean of this? Using calculus such as like derivatives to calculate like the relationship between these weights. But what it's doing is it's because of the data that it's trained, it's trained the model on, it already has these natural biases based off of what the data said was correct and things of that nature. And so that's what it's using to generate the probabilities of what it thinks the next word is. And so literally when you put in a question, what it's saying is, okay, if Dre asked the question, what is one plus one equals two given a breakdown it's then finding out the relationship And it's getting spit back, okay, someone may start this sentence with the 90% of the time versus I 10% of the time, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's literally just chaining that like together. And so the reason why I want to bring that up is because going back to what you were just saying about generating these answers, people still have to understand that these answers are wrong majority of the time. And I was looking at some of the benchmark data that OpenAI kind of rolled out. They said GPT is accurate 78% of the time. But if you give it a few examples and start to double those examples, the number of examples you're giving it over time got to 86%. And then the more you give it, the closer it gets to 90% and things of that nature. And so once you understand that it's trying to predict like the next thing, this is where I think it's very important for people to understand the difference between what they call zero shot learning. Zero shot learning is just throwing a question at it and saying, Hey, predict this. And then a few shot learning is when you give the model a few examples. So you may give it two or three examples of what a right response looks like, such as like in your case, Rodney, that math problem that you were looking to solve for your investor report, if you would have gave it a a few examples of this is actually how you solve the math problem, it would have probably most likely got it correct. And then the other way that people are starting to get even into the 90% and things of that nature is through like fine tuning. So understanding, I was reading with the fine tuning, this is also a competitive advantage I think uh, uh, OpenAI has achieved as well, is traditionally these models have to have had to be trained on like millions and billions of like different examples in the data set. You can actually train an AI, their base model with 200 examples and see 15% increase on like accuracy, which is crazy. And so I was seeing like when people do that, it's costing them like 26 cents. So
1: that's basically what these like avatar, these ava- avatar startups are or photo apps are basically doing, right? Yeah. I mean, so they're basically so, just taking they already are trained on like human photos anyway. Yeah. And then they're just fine tuning it with the photos that you give it. Right.
2: Yeah. So there is a hundred percent like the training process is like literally similar. So literally bro, I'm telling you, if you were to go look at the JSON file that you use to train, and provide the training data. It's literally two columns. It's what is the prompt? So you give it example prompts and then you give it example outputs. And so, and then, so for the, specifically for the, when it comes to vision stuff, so like text to image, those are taking advantage of what they call diffusion models. And it's essentially, it works pretty similar to the GPT as well. Where it's predicting like the next pixel in the image type of thing to you compose the whole image. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the, I was just learning more about that space, but there's players like one of the big players is like mid journey and they're also, we can talk about Linza and things of that nature, but Linza takes advantage of this open source model called a stable diffusion. And then obviously OpenAI has Dolly, et cetera, but.
1: So let's talk about Linza. Cause I actually yeah. think Linza is pretty interesting. So the company behind Linza my understanding they've been around for a while so this is not like,
2: 2018 right or something like that Yeah.
1: so this is not like a company that just like literally just popped up overnight and built something they've been in this space building things testing things for a little bit and the team has experience as well but i know they've been there's been a lot of chatter about them recently specifically due to like their revenue so i came across this tweet that said they reported they're doing about a million dollars a day from these i guess they're considered like microtransactions right like that that users are able to make within the app so basically i don't know more about Lens than i do i downloaded it but i haven't actually paid for anything so i'm not sure exactly like what you get but i know you upload photos and it just gives you a bunch of avatars right
0: yo a million dollars a day is crazy that no, is, is like crazy. that's like, like drug a money. million yeah no it is yeah, exactly that's almost illegal le- almost illegal that's crazy that's really congrats to that team that's even a, if that's it fizzled out
1: even if it fizzled out after still a month, still for those few like, days it was like you made
0: 30 days. thirty million yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah I take that. That's nice. yeah, I'll definitely like, take that. Yeah, that's a nice little quarter. That's a nice little month. If you can have, it, if you can have it going for a quarter, you real good. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, like you, Dre. I know the app, but I haven't made any purchases. I don't know much about it other than I've done it twice, like, bro. No, Yo, you done it twice. Okay, so what th- do you think? It, yeah,
2: is I mean, it's it was it's definitely a dope experience because it's you're rolling the dice and then you are anticipating and waiting like, Hey, what is this thing going to turn out? And it's the results are pretty impressive. What I've been impressed with as well is just the sh- social sharing. Like then if you go into the app, it's not set up like they, they're not really encouraging you to share it on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. But the fact that's been like people's inherent thing yeah. has been dope to see as well. But I think they, it's, they're definitely an example of what does it look like to take a new technology and slap an understandable user e- experience on top of it and allow people to get good results and
0: for sure,
2: I'm gonna be honest, I paid that eleven ninety nine twice so far and might do it yeah. again
0: yeah I, so, well I'm going to do it just off the sake of you've already done it twice, so like why all do you the, have to do it off that? Why do you have to do it twice? Does it like generate
2: a new no nah, so I did it first I did it first what do, you input? First. What do you input? So you just, you got to give it, it's, you got to give it specific images. So usually it's just images of you and it can be different angles, things of that nature. So I did it for myself and then I did it for my girlfriend as well. Mine came out pretty accurate. Hers did not come out pretty accurate. And I've actually been seeing that I'm in a few group chats and a few other folks have (laughs) said that it's hasn't been coming out too accurate. I actually saw a Twitter post where the common, I think argument that pops up around machine learning is data diversity, especially in how that impacts the results. A few people yeah. have come out and said that they don't, they feel, pro- they're starting to feel like they probably did not train their models on enough people of color. Black folks. Yeah. yeah so that's something to that's see turn out as yeah. well.
0: Yeah.
1: That seems like an opportunity. That that actually reminds me, Ronnie. I don't know if you remember, but a long time ago, we went to Miami there was a company called Kairos. Yes. It was working on like right. some facial recognition software. Yes. That was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. But Maybe seven years ago. ago but
1: yeah, at least seven years ago. They were pretty early, but that was like a problem that they were looking to help set out to solve. And they realized it really early that it was definitely a lack of diversity in the training data when it came to facial recognition. And this was before the iPhone switched over to using Face ID as like the main way of, yes, of yeah, this um, interacting was before with it face facial recognition has become a has come a become a long a long way and become such an integrated part in our life now so i do yeah. think like there is an opportunity to like bring more diversity in the training set and i think that's one area where if you're a founder yeah. and like looking for area, looking for an impactful area considering like what we're seeing now in advance in, in, in the advances of artificial intelligence like that having a diverse training set data set of data is incredibly valuable. And it's not even just in like faces, but just in everything, whether it's economic data, whether it's healthcare data, because you're building these models to like to predict tumors in folks, right? We don't want it predicting tumors more accurately in white people than in black people, right? So we got to give it like a diversity of data across the board. So I think that's a huge area of opportunity.
2: And speaking to the opportunity, I think there's going to be a huge wave of since synthetic data startups, especially as you start to, you got to fine tune in. it's going to be the thing that gives these companies advantages. They got to get that data from somewhere. And it it has turned out to be true so far that if you're able to give it synthetic data, you can do that right now. It just takes a lot of time and money for people to create that. So th- there's all that's always going to be, if you can make life more convenient for somebody, somebody going to pay.
1: Have you heard, have y'all heard of scale AI?
2: Nah, what's that? Uh, I've heard so, of it, but
1: I don't know exactly what it is. So scale AI, I think their last valuation was like seven point three billion. But they're like a AI synthetic data platform, essentially. So they have human labeler like labelers. I don't know if they have another name they call them, but human labelers that can take data that you provide it and essentially help you label that data. And so it allows you to train to train models faster. But they're also like just using their collective labeling as a way to generate more synthetic data. So, that again, as a company, if you're trying to like train a model, you don't have to like spend so much time doing it. So, this company has been around for a while and they've been raising a lot of money. I don't know exactly like whether it's translated to any like not successfully been, but they've been killing it for a little bit.
2: Now, I'm gonna keep it a stack too. Think about that. Now, you just called them out. You just talked about Linza as well. They've been around for a minute. There's probably been tons of just core infrastructure or consumer AI machine learning companies that have just been waiting for this moment to come to to pass. I'm really just curious to start to see those companies that emerge.
1: I am too. And I would also say too, and this is something I've been thinking more about. I think it's important for founders to consider... That not everything you work on has to be the hundred million dollar venture back startup. Right? Yeah, unpack I'm pa- I'm like I'm like there is there are probably opportunities for you to take this technology and leverage it in such a way because it's still so early. Right. Not everybody's on it, right? Like it's so many it's It'll so many people while. who have no idea. It's going to be a while. So there's yeah. so many opportunities out there where you can take this technology, leverage it, and provide value, right? Whether it's writing, whether it's Ad, you know, an ad copy. Right? there's so many ways that it can be applied, and so mm-hmm. those things don't require a tremendous deep understanding of how the models work necessarily. They may not yep. require venture back money, really. It just may require a couple hours of just like mm-hmm. understanding the landscape and what you can stitch together. And I don't know about no about y'all, but if I can make ten, twenty grand a month on oh, on well, something, decide that I hundred percent on have no VCs right. over my neck, like. I take that shit any day and I can take that money and flip it and compound it into other things. So I think it's important for founders to think about VC is not the only way going and scaling, running as fast as possible. is not the only way there are other ways to
2: talk about that because what NFX just came out and said that they're, they got their whole fast fund, they're investing million dollars and startups just submitted like. There's going to be so many more of those start to pop up, especially over the next few months. Dre, talk about that, man. Because going back yeah. to what we talked about a few conversations ago, here it is again, VCs doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. I Look, like I said, I think as a founder, just ignore that, right? And just add value. It could be simple things, man. But right. I need like, the capital
2: to build it. Like, like how you, rewrite
1: how do you respond to that? See, that's why a lot of these things that exist now are like free, right? Using chat GPT doesn't cost nothing. It's free right now. So how can you apply that? You can write somebody you can start right now. There's so many people getting laid off or so many people looking to transition. I know if I have a friend of mine who is making thousands of dollars right now, tens of thousands of dollars right, right now rewriting resumes for people. And like providing mm-hmm. and providing like career tips. He's like using this now to automate the, the resume and making rewriting process, making really it just easier. so much easier. Absolutely. I know somebody else who's doing it for like sales emails. So like they're going to companies and saying, Hey, we'll take over all your outbound sales emails for you. And they're just like using this technology and using like copy.ai to just like rewrite series of sales emails for people or using it to come up with different ad copy. So there's so many like services now, like service businesses that you can start with almost zero, Take yeah. a little bit of your time, but because yeah. you're using these tools that can like 10x your productivity, yeah. like you can build a pretty sizable
0: 100%. 100%. People cannot compete with, if I have this and you don't have it, and we have the same copywriting job, you can't compete with me. Right. It, it just it will burn you out. It, and it's, And even for example, when we talk about how... This is a new technology is it's free. And honestly, like we should be like, I'm grateful that this is free. I would pay a good amount oh, yeah. a month for this. Like I could pay a significant amount. I'm not gonna say it, cause I don't wanna give open AI any ideas, but i would pay a significant <laughs> amount for a month for this. And, but what also me is what I wanna say is that there is so many opportunities because it's the general technology. Yeah, like right now, right now it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about how you apply stuff. And there's another point I wanted to make about, or to comment on what Dre was talking about as far as, as far as you don't have to move extremely fast, right? That's one thing in the VC startup world where it's a common thing, move as fast as possible, move as fast as possible, right? And there's some legitimacy, like there's some legitimacy to that in, in, in some companies but it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, and so for the founder, that's an early-stage founder, they need to have the discernment of whether or not that actually even makes sense for them. And yeah, because I, like for example, I worked at the fastest-growing startup in history, or fastest-growing. Startup I ain't even gonna to cap a, you, you, you.
2: grew so fast, and it was hard like, to keep up with y'all.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, like literally, it was insane. Like I, when I joined, it was maybe less than thirty people. And by the time I left, it was over 600 people. And I had the job for a little bit over a year, like a year and a half. And seeing a company grow to a billion that fast and all the faces that we went to, it it was one, it was exciting, it was great. It was an experience that you can't pay for. And I learned a lot. But it also showed me a lot of the downsides of moving extremely quick. Like, what were some of those downsides? Man, honestly, the best way to know the downsides of of what happened at the at Bird will be to look at the culture of safe and I'll, and let me get to let me get to that in a second. I just wanted to point out that Bird was so big and don't up, I loved my team. We were early like it was it felt like a family in the early days and but I saw how fast we grew and there was some and now if you go to the stock exchange and you look up Bird it's really bad. It's not good. It's not in a good place. Bird had to do a, a Spock deal that was strange the way it happened. It, there's a lot of things, and so for me, I sat back with when I thought when I started thinking about my company, I drew a lot from my time at Safe. Like it's it every so I have something we have something called the Ten Safe Commandments at our company, and every single thing is essentially what I saw go wrong at the that billion dollar unicorn. And essentially, it's like a guardrails against certain things. For example, the first commandment is feel safe, right? Because one of the things that happens in really fast-growing companies is that some people feel like they're trying to compete. Some people are trying to keep up. Some people are, like, scared that they might miss out on the opportunity. They want to climb to the top. It gets very – it gets crazy. It gets wild. Because for example, if you're looking at, Brian, you said like you could barely keep up with us. Imagine if you had got a job with the perception that you had. You're coming in, like, oh, they're moving this fast. Like I, like I gotta keep up. And so there's a lot of things that were happening. And, and it's in an environment like that, it's difficult to, it's difficult. And so we have another commandment called trust your team. And uh, that's just essentially just default to trusting your team in a scenario where you're growing extremely fast you will find it difficult to trust your team because every single day there's so many new so you're always meeting new people and you're always like like it's you haven't got a chance to even build a relationship with most of the people and so essentially you overhire and a lot of things come from that and yeah if anybody wants to actually find what I'm talking about i published the 10 safe commandments i think that they can apply to Any company, some people might like, not like some of them, but another commandment was no rush, and part of that is, and part of that is, I, I, when I left Bird at a year and a half, unfortunately, when I really looked out in the future, I couldn't buy stock, the stock options. I decided not to do it. Every single person in my life thought I was like the like, why would you not buy? the stock options for this is like giving away money. And, but when I looked at the company and the fundamental, like from like the, from the bottom, I realized that there's a lot of easy mistakes that happen. For example, our executives came from Uber, right? So Uber is spread rapidly, but the thing about Uber is that it's ultimately a software product, right? And when you're a company like Bird, you're not, you're software, but but your, your consumer product is physical. Primarily, and so when you scale fast, that can make things difficult because the initial product is not the best product. It's it's like it's, it's hard like, to have control over oh, over that because you're trying to trying to move fast. You're trying to grow, and here's the thing: I understood everything from a good intent. Like I understood what was going on, but the reality is that you can't update a a bird once you put it out. Once you yeah. put it out it's out there they were
2: thinking with a software mindset on a physical asset yes
0: yes, exactly Mm. and that ended up being difficult that that ended up we ended up running into a lot of challenges because of that because you can imagine one birds are churning so we're also replacing birds because people are either they're being damaged or being used a lot or some people just steal them and whatnot so we're constantly replacing so the the cost to maintain the company It was ridiculously high because it's not like software it's it's completely different but i can understand as executives in the same space of transportation coming to this and making that small decision but large impact on the uh, on you know you you know what did it
2: it's actually so minute but this is what actually did it it's i can see how if i'm leaving uber if I'm yep. leaving Uber, I can make the mistake of thinking through software on a physical product because Uber has yes. the physical product, which is the car. Yes. Now bird, they have the physical product too. It comes down to who owns what
0: Yes. bird, also, bird yes. took
2: ownership, therefore yes. assumed all the costs associated to the yes. scooter where the car is, whoever's car that is. You got to put the gas in it. You no. got to make sure it's good. Like
0: Yo, you're preaching. You're literally preaching. One of the one of the main things that I wanted to do was have a bird-like product that was like people could buy. They didn't want that for various different reasons. No, it's no point to go all too much into it. I saw that, yo, with the way that we are perceived right now, and how fast, and how people perceive our brand, how strong our brand is, it's being talked on. It's being referenced in, in all different areas of culture, TV shows, Good Morning America, all these different shows or YouTube videos, or every time, like there was a time that year people were posting pictures on the bird. It was like a lifestyle. Like you started seeing rappers, like we would give raptor, rappers nah, it was birds, if, you were
2: like, L- if you were in LA, oh, bird yeah. was crazy. It was everywhere. Yeah.
0: It was everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So They used all, they had the brand, they had the influence, famous people had, were taking pictures with it, doing videos, like they had all that. They could have, and let me start saying they, we had all that and we failed to capitalize on that because in a world where we had created a bird device and it was like a, it kind of, we could have took an Apple iPhone approach from my perspective and meaning that like we started with V1 of of a bird and sold it because people were during that time, we could have sold a lot given the hype that we had. And so once you sell physical products, now people are going to, they have a tendency to like, like, update it maintain it they're not going to mess it up they're going to protect it all these other things that they don't do when we own it when we own it it's like they'll just keep it and hide it and somebody else to take it or they'll throw it in the river or it's, it's so many things but if you buy it you're not going to throw this scooter in the river you're not going to do that you're not going to leave it outside you know, there's so many things so yeah i, I ultimately saying I learned a lot and tried to use that and that note and what Dre just said about moving fast it just brought all of that back to my mind. But I do want to say this
2: as well cuz Dre had mentioned this I think in our previous episode and I thought it makes a lot of sense now. But I do think it does come down to understanding the art and science of just being a founder and when to move fast and when not to move fast because yeah. if if you are in a period I definitely think founders, when you're in a period of just finding that like that that market product fit, like you're experimenting. And I think, as Dre alluded to before, like it's not about just getting to market faster; it's about being able to experiment faster, so you can get, get the truth and make better decisions. But yeah, I just wanted to hit on that because I don't. I, it's it takes a lot of skill. You got to be like LeBron, man. You can't be like these young cats yeah. out here. You got to know when yeah. to dissect the game, man, and move appropriately.
0: I'm not going to lie. That's, it, it's just like that. It's just like that because it's like these small decisions, man. Small decisions become big once they once the money starts coming in because now it's just like something small turns into just something. And imagine, imagine the, going back to like Bird real quick. Just imagine you build a business model. It seems to work in one city. And then, so now you raise a ton of money to deploy it to as many cities as possible. And you realize that model is not it doesn't work for every city like Santa Monica is actually a unique type of city it's a, it like it's a unique city in the sense of for example it's a tourist place people plan vacations to come there people from all around the world come to california for to come to la and definitely the santa monica areas by the beach the pier stuff like that you can't use this, that the, you can't assume because it hit in santa monica that it can that oh, we got the business model and it'll hit and we got to move it fast as possible everywhere else. No, that's, not, that's a, because then now the model is very difficult to change because there are real life people managing these scooters in all, like all over the country. And also we went international. Oh, I just dropped something. We went international.
1: You know, what's crazy though, at last thing on the bird thing, didn't the founder like sell some secondary shares? For- yeah. And yes. Yeah. Thirty, forty yeah. million dollars. It, it was, was
0: like 50, it was close to fifty million dollars, I believe. Yeah. Hey, at the end of the day. Yeah. Go ahead and say. He, no, he's sure straight. He's straight. He trust me. He's trust right. me. He's straight. But a lot of people. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, there, there are things that we could talk about, uh, maybe off the record. And we we talk about it now, but uh, now nah, we too gonna much keep time it off. off. I keep it off the record, but uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, no. It was a large amount, and he's right. Financially, this, at least. <laughs> this is why I'm going to
2: keep saying this. I'm going to keep it a stack. It may not sound good, but it is what it is. Founders, you are not here to save the world. You are here yes. to build a business. That's a fact. There, there's a difference. There's a yeah. difference. And like at the end of the day, you got to understand the game that you are trying to play. Don't get me wrong. You are trying to make the world a little bit better, and they call that value. But at yes. the end of the day, you are trying to facilitate a transaction. Rather if yeah. that transaction is with a customer or with you being a founder, understanding the risk of potentially this being a 10 year mm-hmm. bet, de-risking yeah. things to make it make sense for you over your journey. Yes, and exa-
0: yeah.
2: so well, it, that. that is
0: Instagram, I, as that, that is Instagram Instagram had less than 20 employees and sold for a million dollars. In hindsight, that was a good ass deal for Instagram, but for those founders, yeah, they're going to take that. Like it's less than 20, te- like 20 employees take that, like, as that changes the whole generations of families, we gotta keep those, we keep those things in mind. And what you're saying sounds bad, but it only, it's all about, it, I think it's mostly about, are you still taking care of who you need to take care of? Like, don't take a hundred million from your company. And then like, when things start going left, you fire half the company. Don't like, then it's, then now it appears that you're just like self-centered and selfish and people are not gonna wanna work for you. And that there's effects effects to that, but there's a lot of that goes into though, and maybe on another episode we could talk about like de-risking from a founder perspective, because by doing like the nature of our jobs is that we're taking on a lot of risk with a low chance of rewards. And so when you have the opportunity to in any way, have some life-changing money, you want to really consider a lot of things for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm under the belief definitely like founders should take care of themselves. Like they really should, because I think at the end of the day, investors have already spread the odds for themselves, right? Like they they have already, especially like an institutional investor, they have already Mm -hmm. set themselves up in such a way that the single investment in your company is not really a needle mover if it fails. Right. Yes. Like when you're mm-hmm. talking, when you're dealing with most traditional investors, yeah. like the one investment mm-hmm. they're making in your company doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if it fails. Obviously, if it has outsized return, like hell yeah, it's great. If mm-hmm. it goes to zero, it's mm-hmm. okay. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. On to the next thing. That's how most institutional investors think, especially yeah. at these like, tier one firms. So I think, I think as a founder, again, what you said, Brian, it is the game, it is the truth. I think as a founder, if you have an opportunity to take money off the table, I think you should do it, and I won't even say up into what amount. I think you should maximize as much as you possibly can because that is the game. That, that's just the game that it is, and it, it sucks to be that way. But I yeah. think it really should be because honestly, yeah. I see a lot of times founders raise a lot of money. They aren't. They don't take anything off the VCs mm-hmm. again. They walk away from it. Doesn't yeah. don't, doesn't really phase them that much, and then the founders mm-hmm. are, are they forget broke, about that. Right? Yeah, they, they right. forget
0: about they, the founder. They, they forget never about them. Reach out to them. I've had about founder it. stories like I know prominent yeah. founders that they had that experience of just being selfless to the point where there's a point where you're being too selfless. Um, and there's a point where you're being extremely greedy. And I think that, yeah, it's obviously in the best interest of everybody else for a founder to be extremely selfish. I'm sorry, selfless, because it's no different than if somebody was kept giving you $100 every time you walked outside. It's, I'm gonna keep walking outside because you keep giving me $100. And maybe one day you might, I Maybe mean, one day you might, you might realize, you know what, I should probably use this $100 on myself or I should probably use some of this, to give less of this and to make sure that I'm good. And I think, and honestly, I think the founders that do this well is they take, yes, they'll take a good amount off the table and there's founders that do it well though, in the sense of it's, they, it's hard to describe actually, but we all know that there are founders that just take the money. And then like, now it's like the whole outcome doesn't matter. The whole outcome is just, and that's like a completely different thing than someone that, like having the intention to build something, you saw a problem. And then now you have the opportunity to sell some secondary shares. And so you do it and you still continue to move forward with your mission, but, but just the found, so there's a difference there. And so Lisa, so let me, I'm,
1: let me ask you all this. Is there a number, is there a number in your mind that financial number in your mind that if you hit you'd be like you think you'd be good like maybe it's 5 million 10 million 20 million 50 million whatever mm-hmm. it may be is there a number mm-hmm. that you have in your mind where it's like hey if i hit that well i'm good i'm not gonna have to work again i'll be straight
0: do you have that number yes uh, i don't i haven't thought of, i haven't thought about the i've i haven't i thought about it but i don't have a, i don't have a, uh, a number no yeah
2: no nah, for me i definitely got that number and it's come after Just learning a little bit more about finance and talking to the private wealth homies. And one of my homies, when he told me that he has a client who is making 15, who gave them 15 million and their client was, this is what I'm trying, my goals is I'm trying to live off this, et cetera, et cetera. One of the like thing, they did a few things with it, but one of the things that they did is, and this is what he told me, he was like, bruh, making 1% dividends off of Fifteen million a month. So let's do the math. That's a hundred fifty thousand dollars a month off of fifty. You telling me you can't live off a hundred fifty thousand dollars a month? There's living off that that in a year.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, I I can definitely live off that. That, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The game
2: becomes a little bit different when now I know shit. You give me ten, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Shit, I can do good.
1: Yeah. So that's what I was trying to connect to because I'm think I'm wondering, and I'm not saying this is right, but I'm just putting myself in that spot. Let's say your number is like twenty mil, right? And somebody say, "Hey, I'm gonna give you, you can get fifteen mil or ten mil or whatever." Like you're getting close to that number. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know how I would respond, but I'd imagine it would change what my motivations are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I'd
1: imagine it would change like what maybe would motivates me, or it would at least expand my perspective uh, it in terms would expand of like, how, your perspective, I, yeah. how I think about how I think about risk, right? Obviously, like to yeah. your point, Rodney. Like, hey, if this thing yeah. fails, I'm like, yeah, how yeah. I think about risk, how mm-hmm. I think about what you said, Brian, like how I can think about the future where I can put that into and how that can just pay. Like it, it changes all of that, and so yeah. that also changes behavior, right? And that changes how you it show does. up.
2: <laughs> There's i ain't gonna capture you. You let me put a hundred you let me put fifteen million dollars in the bank. I'm taking a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. <laughs> That's what
0: I'm The rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. You're yeah. gonna be to, you're not gonna yeah. respond to emails this quickly.
1: That's all I'm saying. What email?
0: The truth is that it's like that in every aspect of life, in 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 the sense of a lot of times, especially like in sports and whatnot, when there's young athletes or whether it's women athletes, men athletes, doesn't matter. Just athletes, period. A lot of times, there are coaches that even though that you're playing at a high level, they may not reward you right away because they want to. They want you to do a little bit more because naturally, like if you have some level of validation, maybe you won't push as much. So it's and then also, yeah. So it's it's a natural thing to to if you hit a number to naturally have a lot more like of a, like a okay, I'm cool you know what I'm saying? I'm good. And now, yeah, like that email isn't as urgent and that's a different game. And actually, to be honest, it's a game where if you have what you want, you're in a, you are in a very leveraged position to either, I think it would make it clear for your company, actually. I think if I had life-changing money, it would make me much more, I would take more, I would take more risk and be bolder with the company more than likely. It's, it is, because I saw like a Twitter thread like yesterday, and and like the, it's the common thing of a founder asking an investor sign an NDA, right? And a lot of times that roasts investors the wrong way. And I chimed in, and I only chimed in from the founder perspective. And I said, just only tell what you need to know, right? And focus on that. But the reason why founders are doing that is because of fear. They don't. They even though we know rationally that we know rationally that they are still, they have better ways to protect their business and themselves, but the NDA, an investor shouldn't take personally because it's just a founder that is either hasn't learned yet or is new to the game or maybe naive to it and is trying to protect themselves. And that's one of the tools that they pulled. So it's not a personal attack on, I, in this case, VCs were speaking on it as a personal attack on their character. And they're saying like how coming off the coming off that way can make it appear like you're saying, oh, like why not trust me? Like you're saying I'm a bad person or something like that. And I'm only bringing this up to say that fear, when you're operating off fear, you could end up, it's better to take care of yourself as a founder because then you don't have to operate off of as much fear and that will make your judgment clear like just And if you end up being more more laid back with it, that might be the thing. Or you might just get more more aggressive. Like for example, in in Burr's case, I don't know I don't know Travis's intent. But let's just for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that his intent was positive. I think that he could have he had also he had multiple opportunities to sell the company, but he didn't because he thought it could be much more than the billion dollar valuation. And so I think taking 50 million, is just like a okay. I'm good. And now let's take this like to the moon type of situation. Now, whether or not that's true in reality, we don't need to discuss that. But my point being is that I can see a perspective, a positive perspective in that case where they hit, we hit a billion dollar valuation, the founder and maybe some early employees or whatever, get a large portion of selling secondary shares. And now they're operating more on a, okay, we had nothing to lose now. We have no fear now because it's because we have what we want. We don't have any fear now, so we can just we can just go. We're good. We're all we're good. We're straight, and I can see that perspective as well too.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. Last thing I'll say on this: Have y'all heard of this? uh, You use Reddit, Ronnie, so maybe you heard of it. Yeah, this subreddit called Fat Fire.
0: Fat Fire. Yeah. What's that?
1: so subreddit uh, where people who basically want to retire financially uh, oh, wow. wealthy just dis- like just have discussion. There's some really interesting conversations on there about like wealth. Oh, yeah. I've just learned a lot about like how, how, you found wealthy, this
0: nice. <laughs>
1: how wealthy people think about money. Like it's people in here who like sold a business for $20 million. And there's one guy, yeah, there's one guy who sold his business for $20 million. I think he'd been running it for like four years or something like that. And he said he felt depressed. You would imagine like $20 million is pretty life-changing money. Mm-hmm. He felt depressed because he retired and he didn't really have anything to look into, uh, yeah. like to look forward to anything to do. And so yes. he just found himself sitting around the house, like doing nothing. And anyway, like there's a bunch of interesting stories here about how people who have attained wealth, how they did it, or how they just think about how they think about wealth in general. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I've, learned, yeah I've learned a lot about, about a lot. I highly encourage yeah. just like checking it out. All it's right. a lot to learn in there
0: i no, joining i'm joining you already know Reddit's is like my favorite app Reddit's is like my favorite app so i'm actually shocked that i didn't discover this <laughs> no I'm oh, this surprised. is a very this is a very nice subreddit based on what i'm currently looking at but yeah it's bro, a cheat code bro there's like, bro, yeah, there's oh, like yeah, whole sure. there, there's, there's almost 500,000 people bro, in the subreddit like it's, and these it's, people
1: and some of these people are not like people who are deep in tech right like these are people that may own like A freaking construction company in some part of Mm -hmm. Texas that's doing like $100 million a year, right? It could be something just like that, right? You just never know. Like, these are just people who are just like trying to retire wealthy, people who have already come into large sums of money, just like sharing advice. And so you get a wide range of of perspective from people who have just made a lot of money. So I find it really
0: interesting. Want to know another something? It's different because this one seems more like these people generated meet they met goals there's another separated i don't know if you have heard, heard of it or not but it's called something i don't know the exact name but i think it's a windfall like it's it's called windfalls or something like that. So, for example, like their their grandparents die and then like they suddenly become like a millionaire or something like that. I find looking at those perspectives very interesting, or the, I, what it's like to, or for example, they get into some type of accident and the settlement is two million dollars or something like just windfalls. Brother, the one with
2: this thing got seventeen million people in it.
0: What the windfalls? The,
2: yeah, the, that Reddit personal finance windfall personal finance Reddit. That's what probably, I found when I typed it in. It's
0: probably I'd have to look it up. I'd have to see which one you're. Send me the link, Brian. Yeah. you, you got to get more tapped into Reddit, bro.
2: Yeah, I, you
1: I'm definitely seeing do. that. Like,
2: definitely
0: do. bro,
1: it's a community that's unlike it's, anything else. It's unlike it's, Discord. It's unlike yeah. anything else. It is such a strong community. It's slept on. People sleep slept, on Reddit. They're sleeping right now. Like it's a sleeping. It's a sleeping giant in the industry. We bro. all use Reddit
0: for everything. Oh, everything. <laughs> everything. Literally, everything. Learning learning
1: anything i want to know bro like my doctor had prescribed me some medication i just literally typed in a medication and i typed in reddit and people who have been using it for years just like sharing their perspective on what side effects they've had or how it has helped them how it has changed Mm -hmm. their life all different type of stuff or like finances when i got married me and my wife wanted to like trans combine our finances together we wanted to think like how do we do that how do we structure that type down how do you like create a budget together when you get married reddit all these different answers and perspectives on how people have done it. I'm just like taking bits and pieces from it. So I use it for a variety of things, man.
0: Just put whatever you go on. When you go on Google and you have questions, just put Reddit after it. And you will be surprised. And that Reddit made me realize that like, we share, like people share, there's rarely a unique problem. There's rarely a unique problem that somebody has. Reddit showed me that. There's rarely like, People sometimes, they get to this logical fallacy where they think that certain things have only happened to certain people or certain, they have certain ideas, but Reddit showed me that if you have like anything, like information you need, or there's a problem you're trying to solve, or, or in your case, you're like just trying to merge your finances with your wife, or you're trying to improve your credit, like, there's a community for every, there's almost a community for almost anything you could think of. and there's already people who have been there contributing discussing the topics at length and some of these people they are really like obsessed with the topic so they'll be putting out a lot of information they've shared they've done all the research and it'll be and sometimes if the red is big enough there'll be the people that are very knowledgeable on the topic and they're just discussing the stuff and you can just sit there here and sift through it and yeah if you have if you're inclined to you can interact but a lot of times these guys know a lot more than what i know so i'm just observing reading what people have done and it's so cool it's definitely imagine rewind this is gonna be a, a weird scenarios but just let's just listen to this rewind 100 years ago or 200 years ago 300 years ago whatever when we're and there were communities and there were tribes or communities right and each community and each tribe had like different things going on or whatever, and they were discussing different things, different topics, politics, whatever. And but imagine that in that time you had a camera. Obviously the camera didn't exist in that time. But imagine you had a camera or just a yeah, just a camera that can also record hovering over those communities that are like just commun like just talking about various different topics. That's what Reddit is like. It's like you could see what a community may like a fly on the wall perspective and that's very valuable especially if you're somebody that you know is sometimes people are scared to ask questions and and you may want to go seek some information before you be more knowledgeable there's literally i can go on and on because it's my favorite is
2: reddit more valuable than twitter
0: yes yes yeah Oh yeah, me it is for me. Yeah, for me. yeah. Yes. Not Without it's doubt. not
1: even it's not even the same. Close. It's not Close. even the same. It's not even the Close. same. It's just it's not even the same. Close. I'll even to take it in a whole different direction. Like I I went on a deep dive on Reddit, <clears throat> on like the Axe Historian subreddit. Right. Where it's just so much information about history, yes. about every yes. part of history you can possibly think of. Well, like Rodney said, people who have studied it intensely, like Mm -hmm. specific part of history, giving you like a perspective. So being able to answer a question about something, like to find out on Twitter is damn near impossible. It's probably not even happening. So it's not even, it's not even, uh, yeah, it's not the same.
0: Yeah. Maybe if Twitter, it's not the same. The only thing that Twitter could possibly do to get it, and it still wouldn't be close. The only thing Twitter could possibly do to make it more valuable In the sense of from a Reddit, how I use Reddit as a tool is making search better. Twitter search is like terrible for me. I don't, I just don't think it's good. I can't, I don't discover new things really via Twitter, via Twitter search. And, and also if I'm looking for information, like it's just, or I I don't know, I don't know how to discover a community on Twitter. Sometimes communities do congregate on Twitter and it happens naturally and organically, but you wouldn't be able to just be able to find it. It'd be difficult. Sometimes you don't have to accidentally run into it the community. Whereas Reddit, you could literally be like, you know what? I care about skincare. I want to get a skincare routine. Let me type in Reddit skincare. And now you have a million people who have already tried and tested all these different things. And it's, it's literally unbelievable. It's unbelievable. People are definitely sleeping on it. Like, it's unbelievable. I ain't gonna lie.
1: I'll say just similar to what we told Rodney about chat GPT, take us, take a take it for a spin for the next week. Like intensely try to use it. Yeah. Just be curious. You're you're naturally curious anyway. So you already know you typing in crazy queries on Twitter and yes. Google yeah, yeah, yeah. and all these other communities yeah. you been in. Yeah. Just yeah. try to reserve some of those queries for Reddit and just see mm. what you get out of it. And I'm interested to see like when we record yeah. next, like what your perspective is. Dre said, just
0: add the word Reddit to the end of your search. That's it. Say less. And yeah, say less. Yeah, and then also the other trick I want to say is sometimes Google censors some of the Reddit stuff. So if you really want to go another level deeper, deeper, go to DuckDuckGo and type in the same query, and then now you have a whole new set of, uh, of subreddits and things of that nature. <laughs> so, tip. Good tip. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all want to wrap it up? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's go. One.